Have you ever found yourself in the position of having secured your dream job, passing all the interview rounds and eagerly anticipating the salary negotiation? With a figure in mind, you confidently entered the conversation, only to be feeling intimidated and settling for less than what you had initially hoped for. It's a disappointing feeling, isn't it? Negotiations are intimidating for many of us, but there is a particular segment of the workforce that is significantly impacted by this process. Women. A Harvard Business School article reveals that women are less likely than men to negotiate their salary offers as evidenced by a study of MBA graduate where half of the men negotiated their job offers while only one eighth of the women did so. Why do women struggle with salary negotiations and how can they ensure that they are not settling for less than what they deserve? In order to get to the bottom of this, today we have with us Supriya Dhanda, founder and CEO of Pagel Foundation, an organization mission to develop more women CEOs. She is also a TEDx speaker with over 25 years of corporate experience in leading technology companies such as Western Digital, SanDisk, and GE. Join us as we delve into the complexities of salary negotiations and how women are not shortchanged at work. From transitioning dilemmas like quitting or switching your job to the dreaded career breaks. From make or break situations like negotiating CTCs or handling feedback between peers. To people related complexities like handling a difficult manager or a toxic work environment. Workwise, we cover it all. Hi, welcome to Workwise with Nokri, a show to help you work better and accelerate your career. Hi, Supriya. Welcome to Workwise with Nokri. Hi, Sankal. Happy to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Supriya, as you are aware that we're discussing basically, uh, you know, how can women negotiate salary without settling for less? And uh, while there are a lot of perspective and reports and studies around the same, what I want to understand firstly from you is that you know, negotiations in general are tricky for everyone, especially when it comes to salary. Uh, but is it really trickier for women and if it is, then why is it so according to you? So I think for that, Sankal, we have to go back to the basic. Uh, we have to go back perhaps decades for sure and maybe centuries if needed. If you look at from the socioeconomic status, women have generally been subjugated, you know, as part of the entire social echelons that exist. It's like if you look at the entire food chain, the value chain, uh, we have been at the bottom. Fast forward a few, I would say, feminist movements, few women right movements. I mean, we took years and centuries to even get the right to vote. That's right. You know, again, centuries to even get access to property. You know, when you look at that entire systemic subjugation that we have been as women part of, then we need to understand that when we started getting opportunities in the academic institutions, we were allowed to study what we want. In the corporate, we were allowed to work. And if you look at the usage of my words, we were given entry into the so-called boys club, the fiefdoms. There is this entire thing where the door is shut and now the door is open and we have been allowed in. Now, when we are allowed in, into a place where we weren't allowed, then a certain sense of gratefulness comes. Oh, I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for allowing me to get educated. And thank you so much for allowing me to work. Now, 
I will now answer your question with this gratefulness, with this almost a feeling that I don't belong here. Being a guest in the corporate world, uh, because there is this huge uh, drama unfolding that, you know, it is a boy's world and you've been allowed very late. Now, what am I going to do as a woman? I am, where am I going to negotiate? I am going to be coming out of saying, thank you. I am so glad that you did not reject me. I am so glad that I am working. Where is the conversation of promotion going to come? Uh, and again, when I talk about this, uh, Sankalp, I talk about it a very generalized phenomenon. Are there some women who are excellent negotiators? Absolutely. Are there some women who are doing better at this than the others? Yes. But when we talk averages, those are exceptions. When we talk a normal distribution, they fall outliers. So I hope that answers your question. It does. I think uh, it more than does. And And what's interesting is the fact is that you know, while there are barriers to entry, which were there, say, for instance, a, a few decades ago, because now we do see a lot of women force, women joining the workforce, but psychologically, it's still playing a huge part. And as you mentioned, that you were allowed to be a part of the workforce. So what is the, where's the question of negotiating for more comes in? Uh, you feel grateful. But, you know, I want to understand that uh, while we see a, what the studies say that when men and women probably they join entry level jobs in a similar ratio, it's just that women keep falling off in the leadership roles. And then we've, we've had another episode where we discuss, you know, how more women can take up leadership roles. But for the women who are already part of the workforce, and while there are uh, aspects of being grateful and psychologically, the whole bit about how they are conditioned in a way, how can we ensure, are there some techniques that, you know, you uh, being a part of the workforce and the corporate culture, what do you suggest or what have you incorporated in your journey to ensure that you are not settling for less or you're not shortchanged in the process? Great question, Sankal, because as much as there has to be a generalized phenomenon where all of us need to negotiate and do better, there has to be a generalized movement of doing what is right. The organizations, the human resources, the leaders, well, they all need to come in and fix this and stop it so that it's not compounded going forward. I'll share an anecdote. I think stories do ring a bell. I wasn't such a great negotiator myself. Uh, in fact, uh, I learned it fairly late in life, but I'm very glad I learned it. So I think about 10, 11 years back when I was with SanDisk and I was leading a function, I had access to data in terms of I knew what my uh, rightful merit increase should be. I had done the work, I had done my review, and my merit increase landed four to five percentage less than what I thought I deserved and my work deserved. I prepared. Uh, I had a conversation with my husband, who I believe is a brilliant negotiator. So the point here is whether it's your husband, your uh, partner, whether it's your friend, whether it's your brother, sibling, uh, I'm saying male because they're better negotiators, but even if it's a woman, please go to them, talk to them. That's one path. Seek resource or help when needed. I sought it. I asked him and he said, absolutely, you deserve the best. Well, go for it. And I'm like, what if I don't get it? He says, you will never know till you ask. And second, detach yourself from the outcome. First, focus on getting the process right. Ask. I prepared data. I rehearsed. I videoed myself to say, how am I landing? I wrote a script to say how unemotional and fact-based my conversation is. I did all that. It took a month to get that right. Uh, once I did that, well, then I ran it again with my husband and uh, who I said is a good negotiator, not because he's my husband, but because he has that skill. And then I had my conversation and my boss was like, ooh, okay, credit to him. It landed well. 
But then he said, um, and he said, I don't know if I can change it because the letter is printed. I remember saying that, saying, Tom, I don't care what the outcome is. I'm so happy I did it. And in my mind, I am successful because for me, the deal was to have it. So get your support, get your mentors, get your data right, keep emotion out of it. These are a few tips and techniques that work. Uh, rehearse it, practice it, and then land it. The good outcome that I got it is my increase was done 4%. And, you know, then it's like you tasted blood and success gives you confidence. You know, Supriya, I was hearing you and, you know, the whole fact that it was more important for you to have that conversation was even bigger a victory than the actual 4 to 5% uh, up that you uptake that you wanted, right? You tasted blood with the, that conversation, right? So I want to understand if we have to ask for a raise or if we have to ask for something, you know, then is it even worth it? If I have to ask it, then is the value of it anyway reducing? Is that also a thought which you think many women would have? And they would probably avoid these negotiation, hectic conversations where you actually have to assert yourself and say that, no, I, I demand it because I think I deserve it. But if you have to tell your manager or your leadership that, you know, you may have not seen it, but I think I bring this much value. Is that also a mental block for most women, according to you? Since I'm a woman, I'll talk for uh, women for sure, because the conversation is also focused on women. But I would also say that Having been in leadership positions, having been in uh, human resources, having been in business roles, I think this is generally true at a human level too. It plays larger, it gets accentuated, it gets magnified at a higher magnitude for women, uh, considering the background we just discussed. But however, it's equally true for men too, who probably don't have a, a loud or a firm voice and get less heard. It's like in corporate, we have a thing saying, crying baby gets the mm. But why the hell? Uh, why should you only feed a crying baby? Why would you not feed a baby across who's delivering? Uh, I think this is where the leadership needs to step in. The managers need to be cognizant. So there's an entire aspect of culture of the organization, each and everybody doing their best. So I would say there's a human aspect. For women, it plays even coupled with other aspects. It just gets more compounded and confounded because you're like, oh God, uh, first gratefulness, keep that aside. Second, will it land well? Will it jeopardize my career? Will I be seen as the troublemaker? Oh, she's never happy. Greedy. There aren't any greedy men. There aren't any ambitious uh, men. There aren't any aggressive men. There are only greedy, ambitious and aggressive women. It, you know, it's just such a stereotypical tagging that the corporate has done shamelessly and bullishly over the decades that we tend to wear those tags, right? The scarlet letter etched in our soul. There is such strong stereotypical uh, gender narratives, which are anti-women, that you're trying to break through all that. So I think it does play a larger role for women to say, well, now what do I do? How do I get myself out of this sticky situation? And I deserve it. My two bit on this, well, that's the, if I may say, the the unbalanced world we live in. That is ultimately a, a little bit of a sick society we live in. And therefore, you need to know that if you are playing cricket, you got to play by the rules of the cricket. If you are playing soccer, you got to play by the rules of soccer. Uh, now, if that's the society you are a part of, you can't switch off and be born again into a utopian world where everything is equal and everybody has a voice. If this is a dystopian world we are in, we'll try to fit in and be self-focused. It's not self-serving, but be self-focused. Uh, you've got to take care of yourself because someday you're going to be a leader and you will have men and women working for you if you haven't fought for yourself, then how is it that you're going to fight for them? 
Uh, so I think it's great to you know hone that skill early on. Correct, correct. And you know, very interestingly, you mentioned that you had an idea about what your peers were making, or you know, what what you want you should get ideally. You know, many people do not have that kind of access. So I may not know. Okay, I'm making, or a woman is making something of this amount. What exactly is amount that am I worth? So where should one get access to this kind of information? Great question, Sankal. And uh, before I answer uh, this, I have one comment that someone, one of my mentors, uh, shared. If you don't work on it, you're basically landing and positioning your entire case on hope. Hope alone is a terrible strategy. It's not a strategy at all. So effort in, you know, with the right skill, with the right thought and framework is the right strategy. So hope is a bad strategy. So for all those viewers who are listening in, please don't rely on hope. Just work your bit onto it. Coming to where can they get data? Let's understand uh, how men get their data. Where are they getting their data from? Uh, the, the confidence within, of course, we, we not, need not spend time on it. We all know that there is much higher level of confidence amongst men and the way they are brought up, right? They're given access to motorbiking early, getting access to cars to drive early. They can stay late at night. There's no safety. So there's this entire aspect that contributes to them being superbly more confident. I would look at that and say, what can I learn from it? I wouldn't compete with that. I would love to soak in that learning there. What can I do differently? Bring up our daughters differently. So that's one aspect of the equation. Look at how men work. They are CEOs. They've been natural CEOs and they've been delivering well. They network. They have a lot of informal conversations. The only person in the organization, the function that has access to competitive data on compensation and benefits benchmarking is the HR team. They're not going to open and share it with you. You can forget it. It's not going to happen. Uh, the other people are your leaders, your managers who have access. And depending on different levels, it's usually very uh, concealed at the top. Well, they are not going to tell you that, you know what, Supriya, you're 40% lower. Go send an email and get it fixed. Well, that's not going to happen. And it shouldn't either because they have a leadership role to deliver and they're part of the management and they should do their bit ethically right. So how do men get the data? Conversation, networking, informal beer, informal coffee, informal chats, uh, getting together and playing games, just sitting together in the evenings and saying, hey, by the way, in my company, this is happening and this is how I'm getting paid. Hey, what is it with you and what, where are you playing? The network amongst within the company, the network across the company. Uh, your peer group and you get from the colleges out, those are great bonds. Four years in an engineering college is just fascinating bonds. You tend to share so much. You are not going to suddenly change when you go to corporate early on. And why I'm saying early on? Because early on, those bonds, if you stop lagging behind early on, well, then the problem is that much easier to solve. So if, if women in the age of uh, experience of zero to five or seven try to figure this out early, you know, it's much easier mathematically to solve it later on. So, you know, so, so start networking, uh, start getting in part of those informal uh, groups and, uh, you know, channels and use that. Then there is, of course, secondary information, which is there thanks to Mr. Google, thanks to these Glassdoor websites. I mean, there is that data, but I wouldn't say it's all authentic uh, because you need, there's no corroboration of that. There's no validation. So I would take that with a, with a pinch of salt. But if you have this informal network data and then you have this data off and on occasionally or data on the uh, websites, then you, know, you can map both and you have an idea of where you are. So Sankal, the message to women out there, please learn to network uh, because networking is the key to a lot of network gives you access to information. Information is power. And power, when rightly used, helps you build your career. Lovely. And I think what, what I pick up from this answer is that networks not only on social media or digitally, 
because I think that gets superficial at times. And because it's public information, then probably informal groups. I think that's that's where you can actually get a lot of uh, information, which which may or may not be credible, but at least you get a sense of where you are and what you can expect. So lovely. Just one point, Supriya. Uh, you know, I was hearing you say about a lot about conditioning and being grateful and thankful and and money, as we've understood, is a tricky subject, for, especially when it comes to the psychology of a lot of females. Is it also to do with imposter syndrome, you know, somewhere down the line, it all trickles down? I know, I just love the way Sankalp, you threaded the entire, you know, uh, makeup of how we have been for centuries and decades. And even though the world seems far more open, we carry that baggage. Uh, it's like Jane Fonda said, right? Uh, there's this lovely Netflix uh, documentary which talks about feminist movement and where those women are today. It's a fascinating watch. And she says, I'm not going to keep quiet because I found my voice very late. So I'm going to just continue talking. I love that. It's a universal phenomenon that uh, that the subjugation has happened and the powers have been taken away. There's nothing on in India, maybe a little bit, probably a stock case, but it's not a standalone case at all. Uh, so imposter syndrome, yes. Uh, I have known so many men uh, who are brilliant, great mentor sponsors, but I also know those who just love to th- you know, think that you know, they are the reason behind my success. Uh, and even today when I informally meet men and I'm trying to do something, they are like, oh, we helped you. Oh, you know, there is this sense of yeah. entitlement that comes. Yeah, there's this sense of entitlement that comes so strongly to them that sometimes I, I, I say it in a very nice way that, oh, my God, you know, my, my last year, two years have, you know, got a lot of dead leaves. I need to shake <laughs> the tree and let them fall. Uh, and there could be a few women in that, too. I'm not saying only men, but, uh, but you know, it's, it's largely men. And, and once in a while, I shake the tree and say, oh, wow, now it's all green. The brown and the dead has fallen. Uh, so it's good to keep refreshing your network because why I say that? Because those brown and dead leaves now stopped contributing to you. You must know that they're taking away the shine from you. They're telling to be a little less. Uh, they're, they're, they're demanding a pound of flesh or kidney or your lung that you know you're not ready to give uh, because a lot of it you did it own you always live in an ecosystem you partner there's no sense of being only but there's also a sense of being a little bit more focused and effortful than others you can't be always living a life of gratitude fundamentally gratitude is part of you which is good but i think with women it's just uh, so when that happens imposter syndrome likely Mm. comes on saying i think i did it because of them i think i did it because they were there correct so thank you so much, Supriya. I think this this really, really helps. And I had a lovely conversation. Hope you also had a good time. Thank you so much. I hope what we've discussed is useful to women out there and in, in general sense, even to men who are looking to get this negotiation started. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Workwise with Nokri. I hope you had as much fun listening to it as we had making it. And if you did, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to this. Also, do share this with your friends who'd benefit from this episode. I'm Sankalp Dixit, and you are listening to Workwise with Nokri, a career podcast from Nokri.com produced by Wine Studios. <laughs>